In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Ring, 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 ring. Uh, Miss Eunice Bynes, please. Uh, Miss Bynes, uh, this is Sylvia, Mr. Kikowski's personal secretary. There's been a little mix-up in the invitation for this afternoon. Yeah, the podcast taping has been switched from Mr. Kikowski hosting to uh, his wife, Carla Kikowski hosting. Yeah, uh, I managed to catch Mr. Kikowski on his way out and tell him, and I'm just calling you to follow up so you don't go to the wrong place for the recording. Uh, the address of this uh, new podcast taping is, uh, do you have a pencil, darling? <laughs> Four, five, nine, Dorello Street. Yes, second floor. Uh, my name? Uh, Louise. Oh, that's right. I did, didn't I? Uh, yes, uh, Sylvia Louise, you know, with a hyphen. Wow. Click. Um, click. <laughs> click. Click. So we're not supposed to record here? I, I don't – I didn't move the podcast recording. What's happening? It's a trick. Oh, no. She's sending Eunice to the wrong location so she can be alone with you. Oh, who is this lady? <laughs> it's a crazy lady. What's up, Doc, with this lady? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? Did it feel weird to like sit there and watch me do the opening bit? Yeah, and now I know how you feel. Hi everyone, everyone. Well, Every- hi everyone. Welcome to Carla's list. Oh, this is so weird. <laughs> it was weird for me too. That's why I stumbled. Okay. Uh, hi everyone. Welcome to Carla's list. Is this for real? Are we really doing this? Carla's list sounds like upspeak a little bit. Like Carla's you're not list? sure about it. Yeah. Try to put it out there more. Carla's time. list. <laughs> Carla's list. <laughs> um, okay, so we're doing something different today. Clearly. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about a movie that is not on Craigslist. Not on Craigslist. At least not as of yet. Nope. Uh, we are going to be talking about a movie that I love, and I don't technically have a list but if i did this for sure would be on the top 100 possibly even the top 20 probably possibly in the top 20 wow uh a little movie i like to call because it is called what's up doc it's always good to call it what it's actually named (laughs) i think is a good rule of thumb uh so this is what's up nicknames for movies are tough yeah uh benny looks so disappointed in me he's just staring at me with the saddest little eyes He's not sure what's going on. Like, Dad usually takes the reins at the beginning of this podcast. What's happening? What's happening? So, we had talked about What's Up, Doc. When did we first start talking about this movie on the Craigslist? <sighs> was it? It was shortly after we I showed it to you, like back in June, because you got it for me for my birthday. Did we start talking about it around Tootsie time? Because were we talking Tootsie. about it, Elaine May and... Oh, right. Yeah. I feel like when we saw Tootsie was around this time that we went to the Ishtar, a new leaf double feature. Right. Which we've talked about several times. Several times. <laughs> yeah. I know people are sick of hearing about Way it. more than necessary, probably. Yes. Uh, but then after we saw that, it's like a screwball comedy from the early 70s. 
right? A New Leaf is, yes. Or is it the late 60s? I don't know. Early 70s. Early 70s. And I was like, you know what movie that I love from this time is What's Up, Doc? And then Craig got it for me for my birthday because I have it. I don't have it on DVD. So anyway, we watched it. Craig loved it. Craig LOL'd so many times. Well, let's, let's see. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, people started tweeting at us that they wanted to hear a Craigslist episode. That was Carla's list. That was Carla's list. So here we are. Complete role reversal today. I'm already sweating. It's very exhausting to have to host. Uh, It sucks. It sucks to host. Coming up with that opening bit was tough. I can't believe you have to do that every time, but Mm. you do that to yourself. It's more fun to be the foil. I've only really started the opening bits. uh, In the last 20 or so? Yeah, doing it every time. I think I would do bits occasionally and sometimes just start like normal but yeah. uh, now i try to do an opening bit every time yeah so that bit that i just did was barbara streisand putting on a secretary voice <laughs> when she calls eunice to distract her from going to uh, a party yeah okay, that's the simple explanation we'll get into the more complicated okay. as we go along uh okay so what's up doc is a story about uh a man who is trying to get a grant and he's in person uh, uh, doing the final stages of this application. And the man is played by Ryan O'Neill. That, right? is, that is correct. Yes. <laughs> he is a rock guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rock star, if you will. No, he's a, he a, studies rocks. A geologist? Yeah, he's a geologist. Okay. And he and this strange Russian man, I'm assuming he was Russian, right? I think. I, I, think, I think it's like a nondescript kind of... His rival... I yeah. think that's part of the joke is that you can't tell what part of Europe he's right. from because he uses various European languages and then gibberish at different points. So the two of them are up for this thing. So anyways, that's the the beginning. But Ryan shows up with his girlfriend played by Madeline Kahn, Eunice, his fiance. Mm-hmm. And she's a bit of a, uh, uh, what's the word? She's rather grating. Um, she's, she's shrill. She's shrill, uh, and hilarious. And, um, so they're at this hotel and he runs in, he literally runs into Barbara Streisand in the lobby and Barbara immediately has eyes for him. Mm -hmm. And so the, the rest of the movie is about Barbara Streisand, uh, finding ways to hang out with him, even if it's against his will. (laughs) What what's uh Barbara's name in this? Judy. Judy uh-huh. Maxwell. Okay. And uh he's Howard something. Howard someone. Okay. But so that's like the love story that's happening. But what's happening on top of that is that there are four suitcases that have the same kind of exterior. So it's, it's like red a, plaid. Red plaid uh carry bag. Right. Yeah. So Judy has one, Howard has one. Uh uh, a woman who, another woman who's staying at the hotel, a fancy like dame, full of jewels, has one full of jewels, and then there's a fourth man who has one, and he is, and I just picked up on this the last time we watched it, but I think he's stealing government files to expose some sort of scandal. They never get into the scandal, yeah, and that's what the top secret files are. This would have been around the time that Daniel Ellsberg stole the Pentagon Papers, right, and then around the time of the Watergate break in too right so the idea of government secrets about to be exposed would be very topical exactly so there are four suitcases there's four right yes i get that right um at least and so it's really a farce of 
people trying to steal the jewels, sneaking into hotel rooms to steal the jewels, people trying to steal the files, sneaking in the hotel room. And then in the meantime, Barbara and Howard's cases get mixed up in it. And so it's people, it's, it's kind of like a noises off with people going in one room and coming out the other, hiding and stealing these suitcases. Old school farce. Old school farce. Yep. Uh, so that's what this movie is about. And it's a, it's like a, it's like a bringing up baby kind of relationship, right? With like Catherine Hepburn and what's his face? Cary Grant. Cary yeah. Grant. I think specifically, as soon as I saw it, I was like, Ryan O'Neill's character has got to be an homage to Cary Grant and yes. bringing up baby. Which I've actually never seen. I don't think. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I, you know, I like some screwball comedies. Some don't hold up as well for me, but it is a, a Hollywood classic, and it's definitely something that Peter Bogdanovich, uh, he loves those movies from those from that era. And that's who directed this, is Peter Bogdanovich. That's why I brought him up. Yeah, I know, but we didn't say that yet. <laughs> so I was clarifying, because as the host, yes. it's my duty to fill everybody in on the stuff. And this is fun when I'm just the foil and just flying by the seat of my pants and just chiming in whenever I want to. This it's real is, fun. It's awesome. Um, so, yeah, so that's the basic plot of the story of the movie. And uh, basic plot of the story is redundant. The basic plot of the movie. And um, it's uh, real silly, really fun. Okay. Carla's first time is the next <laughs> segment, right? Okay. I think, I mean, I was definitely maybe 14 or 15 the first time I saw this. And my grandmother was a huge Barbra Streisand fan. And I would go spend the night at her house on the weekends. I might have been even a little younger, like maybe 13 or 14. Anyways, we watched Funny Girl and The Way We Were. Like she put me, she had me go through all of the Barbara stuff. The Hello highlights. Dolly. Hello Dolly. Yes. All of those things. And we would listen to Barbara Streisand records. Um, and I started to get a pretty big talent crush on Barbara Streisand. And I don't know if I actually saw this movie with my grandmother or if it was part of my Barbara studies on my own. Okay. But it was definitely around that time because I remember going into the basement at my house and watching this on VHS and I had taped it off late night off of the, uh, the TV, you know, like a late night movie or whatever. And so there were commercials and stuff. And I just remember oh, wow. like having to stand up cause we lost the remote control. <laughs> and I remember having to stand up and like press fast forward through the commercials to yeah. watch this movie. Um, when I was a teenager in high school, I remember that feeling of setting the time. Did you set the timer yes. to record it uh -huh. and everything? Yeah. And then you'd always screw up AM and PM and you're like, yes. what did I got the morning news? What happened? Yeah. You and know? I actually think, I think what happened was, uh, I don't think I even got all of it on tape, but I was still, and then I went and rented it from Blockbuster at some point and saw the whole thing. I would do that many times before even like DVRs don't always do it right. But mm -hmm. like in this era, you know, you'd set the timer and then like the show would go off at like 1.05 a.m. But then your timer stopped recording at 1 a.m. And so you right. missed the the last scene of the movie or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So that was my experience with this. And I loved this movie from the second that I – the first time I saw it. I was like this – if I could make a movie or be in a movie, this is the type of movie I would want to be in. Why is that? I just think it's so fun and funny and all the characters are so likable even – uh, the shrill character that Madeline Con Madeline Kahn's playing is just so fun to watch. Uh, it doesn't feel like a negative, a negative quality necessarily. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's just in terms of like romantic comedies, there's really funny bits in it. It's not just kind of, um, 
you know, schmaltzy, like kissy stuff. They don't even kiss until the very end. I don't think, Oh no, that's not true. There's two kisses. <laughs> uh, but it's just, it's just populated with really hilarious, good actors. So let me read some of the names of the people who are in this. Who's in this real quick. I pulled it up. Hold on. Hold on everybody. Oh wait, hold on. Now I know what it feels <laughs> like. Hold on. Cover me. Cover time. Okay. Barbara Streisand plays Judy Maxwell, Ryan O'Neill, Madeline Kahn, uh, and was this her first movie, Madeline Kahn? I think it was. Whoa. Was there a crash outside? I don't know. I hope not. <laughs> Wouldn't that be perfect? Very thematic <laughs> for this movie. Uh, Austin Pendleton is in it. Like a baby-faced Austin Love Pendleton. Austin Pendleton, yes. So great. Um, Michael Murphy is in it. If there, if you watch any movie from the 70s, there's chances are that you're going to see somebody that you also saw in Nashville. Oh, Because funny. there's like... 50 yeah. people in Nashville. And uh, yeah, Michael Murphy is somebody who's come up a lot. Randy Quaid is in it. Yep. <laughs> uh, the guy who plays the kind of um, uh, inexplicable European guy <laughs> is Kenneth, Kenneth Mars. Mars. Yeah. And he still works a ton. I looked him up. Is uh, he still alive? I thought he just died. Oh, did he? It's not on here yet. Oh, maybe um, he did. Let me click on it. IMDb, what will we do without you? You're right. I'm sorry. He did, he did work up until his death. He, he died, died like last five year? years ago. Um, or six years ago. Yeah. Kenneth Mars is best known, I think, from the producers in Young Frankenstein. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is in it as the officer. Love M. Emmett. Oh, my gosh. So funny. He's the one who's still alive. That's right. Because I was looking these all up. Yes. Uh, okay. So those are some of the, the names of some of the fun people that you would get to see in this movie. Uh, Michael Murphy, who's been in like a bajillion things, right? Yes. Um, okay. So anyways, it's just uh, populated with a lot of really fun character actors uh, who all have a moment that they really shine. I feel like um, that's why I like it. It makes me feel good. It makes me happy when it's over. I'm like, yay, that was time well spent. I feel so happy, <laughs> <laughs> which is what a perfect movie does for me. Yeah. I'm it's su- entertaining. I'm surprised I had never seen this before. Yeah, I am too, especially because Peter Bogdanovich is kind of like a a guy with a lot of cred, street cred, right? He is. Uh, he His first movie, I believe, was The Last Picture Show, which is... Which I've never seen. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, and that's on my top 200. And that came out in 1971. And uh, it's based on a Larry McMurtry novel about a small town in Texas. And uh, that was the debut of a lot uh, or one of the early movies for a lot of big actors. Uh, So Randy Quaid was also in Last Picture Show. Mm -hmm. Sybil Shepard, Timothy Bottoms, Jeff Bridges. uh, And then it won supporting actor and actress for Ben Johnson and Cloris Leachman. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's shot in black and white Uh, and has moments of comedy, but is a pretty heavy drama. And then he also did Paper Moon with Ryan O'Neill and then Tatum O'Neill, who to this day is still the youngest person, I believe, to win the acting Oscar. Hmm. Um, and that's also in black and white. And that's more of a comedy. And they're like uh, hus- uh, father and daughter uh, con man team in during the Great Depression. Have you ever seen Paper Moon? I've not seen it. That's no. a very good movie, too. Yeah. So the, uh, What's Up Doc is right in the middle of those two. And I like those movies quite a bit. And yeah, I don't know why this was just a blind spot for me. So I read that 
uh, he wanted to do a comedy, a broad comedy like this after doing Last Picture Show. Mm-hmm. And Barbara Streisand contacted him. I was like, I want to be in your next movie. And he was like, well, it's going to be a comedy. And she was like, uh, never mind. I guess she didn't want to do comedy. Really? She wanted to do like a drama like Last Picture Show. Okay. But then he talked her into it. And he like had great things to say about working with her and that he, she was, you know, so great to work with. Uh, which she kind of gets a bad rap for not being so great to work with. Why does she have that reputation? I think just because she's a, a female director. A strong woman. Probably has a lot of opinions. Um, but maybe that was later because this is still pretty early on in her career. Uh, although she was, I guess, the biggest female draw at the time at the box office. Definitely. Uh, yeah. She's an EGOT winner, right? I don't know. Well, I went through a big Barbara phase when I was younger, and then I discovered Meryl Streep, and I didn't like Barbara Streisand as much, which is weird. <laughs> well, because she... you don't have to like one or the other. That's not the rules. Sure. But I think I just uh, started to discover different types of acting. I think the surprising thing when you look up her credits is that she n- never made that many movies. Yeah. How many did she make? Like 20 movies? As an actor, she's maybe been in 20 movies in her entire career. Yeah. Including like only like three in the last 20 years, it's something like so that. It's so crazy to me. Um, so she's very choosy about what she will do. Right. And so, you know, Meryl Streep is always in at least a movie a year, right? right? You yeah. know, And then she's got just a wide character range too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Barbara Streisand has played different types, but they're still in like the general Streisand vibe, right? Right, you yeah. Know? Um, but of the things I've seen her in, and we just watched Hello Dolly pretty recently too, mm-hmm. which she's miscast in, right? She's totally miscast in that. But that was a bummer rewatching that one for me because I really loved that movie when I was younger. But then we rewatched it a couple months ago, and I was like, "Boy, not hold up this so is well." Tough. Yeah, it's yeah. not very good. I mean, her voice is amazing in it. This was also at a time when her voice was like at the top of what it what would be cuz she I think she ruined it not too long after this. Cuz she movie. was not a trained singer. No, she was not. And I think she ugh, I'm not a Barbara expert by the way, so don't don't yell <laughs> at me on the like internet. You sound like a Barbara expert. Uh, I did read a couple of her biographies when I was in high school, but that's been years ago. Um, but from what I understand, yeah, she kind of hurt her voice later on because she wasn't a trained singer and she mm. was just overusing it. And you do, if you listen to her records from around this time and before, and then like after, um, what is it? A star is born. <laughs> like yeah. Maybe like late seventies, early eighties. It does. It sounds like a different, she, she can't like hit the notes in the way that she was able to. Hmm. Though she was, still, she was still having hit singles though at the time. Oh yeah. I mean, I think she was still a successful recording artist. Yeah. But if you, if you compare the, the records, which I've done, it's like, oh no, like what happened? But she's just, she's just showbiz uh, royalty, you know. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure she has an EGOT because she won the Oscar Best Actress for Funny Girl, right? Yes. Tied with Katherine Hepburn for Lion in Winter, right? Uh, she's get, definitely has to have a Grammy. She must have yeah. a Tony for something. I think she does have a Tony for Funny Girl, or maybe for Miss Marmalstein, which was her first Broadway show. Miss Marmalstein was the name of the show. Uh, no. Sorry, that was the song that she sang in it. Oh, okay. It was called... I Can Get It For You Wholesale? Maybe. Okay. I don't remember. Remember. I'm tired. This is like, <laughs> how many have we done this week? 
They don't need to know that. Okay. We've been doing a lot of podcasts, you guys. Okay. Uh, anyway. But I don't, of the things I've seen her in, I don't know that she's ever been better than this. I agree. Like, as an adult watching her stuff, I think this was like, she's at the top of her game. She's awesome in this. She's really funny. She's very just charming and open. Like, she's so expressive with her eyes. Mm -hmm. And her comic, comedic timing is really impressive. And the way that she delivers some of the lines is completely unexpected and hilarious. Like, there were so many lines where I was laughing just at her reading of the line, the way that she said it. She is kind of a prototype for Manic Pixie Dream Girl. <laughs> you're right. When uh, you're right, you're right. I mean, she's definitely manic. She's a pixie because she's wearing a newsboy cap. Yeah. Right? She's a newsie in it. Uh, she is. She's kind of androgynous, but kind of sexy in it, too. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as like a leading lady in a wacky romantic comedy, like you can't get better than her. Right. I agree. And that's what, uh, the quote that I was reading from Peter Bogdanovich was just saying how she's like a throwback to Carol Lombard and how she's at her best when she's quipping, you know, quips and, you know, elbows. (laughs) If I don't think you've seen my man Godfrey. Have I just you? said quips and elbows and you didn't say anything. What am I supposed to say to quips and elbows? How strange is that? <laughs> but I think I just made up a new phrase. Yeah, she's all quips and elbows. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you'd like people to say about you? E, nope. Um, what did you just say? My man Godfrey? Yeah. What Th- about it? That's probably my favorite screwball comedy along with seen that. It Happened One Night, which is on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, my The thing about... Yeah. Okay. I just realized it. Okay. So, but the, the archetype of the woman, the female in a scribble comedy though, is very like, uh, sophisticated, right? And class, like classy, I guess not sophisticated, but like, uh, lots of money and probably went to really good schools and comes from a wealthy family, like that type of thing. Is that true of bringing up baby? I think so. Yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that. And she's and Barbara's just so scrappy in this. She's like you could tell she'll like sleep on the street. She doesn't care, but <laughs> but she'll like choose to do it, not because she is like hiding from her rich father. You know what I mean? Yeah. She'll like she's up for adventure. I mean, it turns out in the end she does come from money, right? Yes, it does turn out, but you don't know that. Like you don't feel that watching her. She's just kind of like your pal from down the street. Yeah. Well. My Man Godfrey, uh, Carol Lombard gives a performance in that that's very similar to Barbara Streisand okay. in this. So I can see how that is the, the reference point. And it's a similar thing where she like falls in love with Godfrey at first sight and is basically kind of bullying him for the whole movie to fall in love with her. Yeah. You know, which is kind of similar to what she does to Ryan O'Neill in this movie, you know. And it's the kind of thing if like if there had been a gender reversal, it would be gross and creepy, right? Right. You know, but absolutely. If, with, I think that's a fair point. With the woman pushing it, yeah. You know, we're kind of rooting for it the uh, the whole way. You know, with more of a, a passive male lead. Yeah, that's true. And I think screwball comedies were kind of meant that that particular movie is about a very wealthy family who are all kind of idiots and crazy. You know, so it was kind of. At the time, like during the Great Depression, it was an opportunity for us to laugh at rich people 
and mm. see that they had the same problems as us. And I think gradually along the way, uh, it became more aspirational where of like, we want to live the glamorous lives of these people. Right. Uh, but, but I think that's what I like about the screwball comedy of the thirties, uh, is it makes them look like idiots and kind of takes them down a peg. Uh, also like Claudette Colbert's character and it happened one night. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that as yeah. well the, of the spoiled rich girl. Yeah. I, I wonder what it is. Okay. I hadn't thought about this, but I should, since I often complain about how men are, or how women are treated in some of your movies. <laughs> He's not treated super great in this, Ryan O'Neill, in the sense that she does really pester him. I think because he doesn't ever, like, flat out tell her to go away. I guess he does flat out tell her to go away. (laughs) But so there's this whole scene where she pretends to be his fiance. She shows up as he's going to this dinner to try to get this grant. And she pretends to be his fiance, Eunice, to get in to to the dinner and she shows up and Ryan O'Neill's like, you got to get out of here. And she's like, relax. And she pretends to be Eunice, but there's plenty of opportunity for him to be like, this is not my fiance. <laughs> yes. This is a crazy woman. But he doesn't do that. For just the purposes of decorum, he kind of goes along with it. Yes. Yeah. And it's and, just hard and, for him to get a word in edgewise. And too. also she's like charming and telling really funny stories. And the guy who Austin Pendleton, who, has is the grant giver yes. uh, is really taken with her. So, but that's the thing is like, she's very, everybody's very taken with her. So I don't know. She doesn't feel dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm certainly not complaining. I mean, this is 1972. No, I, I know. I'm trying to justify why I would be okay with it. <laughs> why I think it's so funny. It's, I mean, it's interesting. Like now that we just have a totally different concept of consent and courtship and right. everything and like appropriate ways to behave uh, and everything. But if you look back, you know, throughout movie history and just cultural history, you know, like that, that definition, you know, is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think this is kind of a throwback to those classic movies where it's like, ah, Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand are the leads. We want them to get together because they are the leads. They're, right. attra- they're attractive and cool and funny. And, you know, that, that's what, you know, we know going in, this is what we signed up for is for these two characters to get together. And we don't care about the process so much of, of how they get together. So it, it kind of works. Yeah. Okay. Then I feel okay about it again. But I, I think there's a lot of movies from this era and from earlier eras where it's a man, you know, pursuing a woman that now reads rapey. Gr- gross and creepy and rapey. You yeah. know, like yeah. we talked about Josh Charles and Dead Poet Society, right. you know, of like he just decides this girl is the girl for him when he hasn't really exchanged anything with her. And, you know, Barbara Streisand right away just like decides, you know, uh, Howard's my guy, you know, we have to be together, yeah. you know, but you're rooting for it in yeah. this case. Well, what do you think about Ryan O'Neill in this movie? I think he's so cute. <laughs> he's studly. Also cast against type too. Maybe they both are, and that's what's so enjoyable about it. I think I feel so. Like I'm saying everything in slow motion. <laughs> uh, so enjoyable about it is that because he's like a okay. So love story, I think, was the previous year. Love story, and, 1970. And he um, 
was like the good looking jock type in that, right? Am I remembering that properly? Yeah. And in this, he's like the nerdy intellectual uh, scientist guy. Yeah. You know, like he's got big th- thick glasses on. You, you, you are led to feel like, hey, he's not turning any heads. Right? That's what you're led to believe. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's still ridiculously handsome and fit. But he doesn't act like it. And he doesn't show any, like, muscles or anything Yeah. early un- on. Until he takes his shirt off later. Right. And you're like, oh, this guy's in good shape. So you don't know. And his bow tie matches his suitcase. Yeah. I, which is hilarious and nerdy. Although, of course, it's Ryan O'Neill. I, I think he's... He does a really good job of not playing up the nerdiness, you know, yes. and not becoming a cartoon yeah. of a nerd. He, like just, he's he not, just seems like an introverted kind of guy. Yeah. He's not trying too hard. I totally buy him in the role. Yeah. And then for her, she's like this sexy, um, charming. I don't know. I guess she's, she had played that in other things, but that's not true. It seems like in a lot of her movies, it's always like, She's the one that nobody wanted, and then something happens, and now she's lovable, you know? And in this movie, she just appears, and she's hilarious, and she's cute, and she's really smart. She's smarter than him. Like, she's smarter than anybody that she's in the scene with. Yes. Which is what really works about it. That's another recurring bit that she just knows everything about everything, and so you can't pull one over on her. She's gone to, like... 10 different colleges or something and has all these degrees and And studied every possible subject. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's really funny, but she's just so appealing, I think in a way that I don't, I don't know that you ever get to see her do again. Yeah. Just kind of sad. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, Cause even in the way we were, she's like the, I don't know. She's like the nerdy, know it all that nobody wants to talk to and that's why when robert redford's interested in her it's like whoa (laughs) yeah that's right um okay so anyway that's why even though you would think they would be miscast on paper when you see it it works so well totally works totally works um all right let's do this i have some quotes that i wrote down Uh uh-huh and i forget how you set this up what this is a segment that i like to call Craig's quotes. <laughs> She's feeling her oats and Carla's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Craig's quotes. Uh, all right. So, uh, oh, so at the beginning, when we get to see, we get a quick introduction to the characters with the different suitcases. Uh, it's at LAX and this guy walks past a bunch of telephones and Craig said, look at all those direct telephone lines to hotels, which isn't really funny, but it was an it's interesting not funny at all, but that's how my brain works. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's supposed to be San Francisco. The whole movie set at San Francisco, but it must've been shut. It looked like LAX. Oh, you're me. right. I'm sorry. That's what we, we had talked about it looking like LAX. Could be SFO, could be LAX, I'm not sure. But but anyways, there were all these telephones and we were trying to figure out what they were. And then we're like, oh, you would just pick up the phone and call the hotel you were going to. And they'd send a car? I so think we so. And then on? they'd send the shuttle. Yeah, that's what Weird. it looked like. Um, cool, cool. <laughs> um, what else? <laughs> <laughs> that's the only quote I had for the whole movie. I'm respectful of the movie. I don't try to to interrupt it. <laughs> um, oh, I wanted to talk about 
how Barbara Streisand's character is introduced. Okay. So when she comes, uh, when we see her for the first time, she's crossing the street. Yeah. Oh, no. She's looking at like a guy making pizza. Yep. Guy spinning pizza dough. And she turns and she goes across the street. And she doesn't look. And a car crashes behind her, swerving yes. to miss her. And she doesn't turn around to react to it at all. She just keeps walking. Yeah. Which leads us to be, believe like, oh, this woman is going to cause crashes wherever she goes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just thought was such a smart, funny way to introduce her character. I just think that, first of all, this movie has very high JPM ratio. What's that? Jokes per minute. Okay. Uh, or LPM, laughs per minute. <laughs> um, it's better to have laughs per minute than jokes per minute. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but it's like it watching it for the second time. Um, I noticed many jokes that I didn't catch the first time around. So like, that's always a good sign, you know, where the, the more times you see it, you know, the funnier it gets. Uh, so it's very witty to begin with. It's very verbally witty uh, in addition to the performances being good, but I generally don't find physical humor, uh, crashes, slapstick, car chases, any of that stuff. I rarely find it interesting or funny. And this movie has kind of nonstop physical bits that totally work. Mm -hmm. And then the car chase to beat all car chases that is, first of all, very funny. But second of all, like, I'm, we'll get to it, I guess. We're going to get to it. Yeah. I took a bunch of notes. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Uh, so. Ryan O'Neill Howard keeps talking about his Ignatius rocks. Mm-hmm. And Craig said, he means his balls. And then he said, I hate when my Ignatius rocks are even touched. <laughs> oh, no. I think Ryan O'Neill said that. Yeah. Igneous? Igneous. Mean? Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it down wrong. Uh, Ryan O'Neill said, I hate when my Igneous rocks are even touched. And Craig said, he means his balls. Yep. There it is. Yeah. That's the I, joke. I t- can't take credit for Peter Bogdanovich's joke. Right, or, right, right. Or Buck Henry actually wrote it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, what else? What else did you say? Oh, Madeline Kahn, beautiful, brilliant Madeline Kahn, uh, her hair is fine. Her nor- normal hair. She's in her 20s when she did this. Really? <laughs> I think she's in like her late 20s or something. Yeah. Uh, but she has this hilarious red wig on that could be her real hair because it's the, the, probably the exact color of her real hair. Yeah. But it it's look- a wig. It looks real, but you kind of realize it's a wig later. Yeah. Uh, but so it's got bangs and it kind of flips. It's like a bob that flips up in the end. And it feels like it's probably 10 years out, out of style. Out of style, yeah. And Craig said, in all seriousness, Craig said to me, oh, oh, I lost it. Hold on. He said, <laughs> haven't you had that haircut before? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then I left the room and said, I can't be around you for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. What did you mean by that? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're kind of a Madeline Kahn type, <laughs> and you have uh, you have reddish hair, or Sometimes. you have had red hair. Yeah, uh, I thought it was cute. Okay, um, did I say this when Ryan O'Neill came on screen? Hot fudge Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> did I say that? Because I don't think you said that. I certainly did not say Hot Fudge Sunday. Here's the thing. It's really difficult to take notes when you're watching these movies. Hell yeah. So, 
Hell yeah, it is. So I really want to give you credit and apologize if I ever said anything. You never said anything. To the opposite of that. You've kind of implied. (laughs) It's really hard because then the moment passes you by and you're going to miss the next moment. Yeah. So I didn't take great notes. Okay. <laughs> I asked Craig, do you think she's hot in this to, to about Barbara Streisand? And Craig said, she is. It's very strange. <laughs> what did you mean by that? <laughs> well, mostly because she's androgynous. I mean, she's dressed like a newsie. Right. And, you know, up top for the the first third of the movie, right? She's in a, a cap. and She's kind pants. of my style icon in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, if I could wear stuff like that all the time, I would. Because it looks really comfortable. Yeah. And it's cute and it's all like tailored to fit her figure. I don't know. That's just what I was thinking. I would like to wear a newsy cap all the time. Okay. I used to. I used to have one when I was in my early 20s. And I think I would be equally confused by it. <laughs> um. Oh, this is just a funny thing. Uh, when she goes to the dinner um, and she's talking to his peers and like charming them yeah and she's pretending to be eunice barbara's pretending to be eunice uh howard ryan o'neill walks up and he goes you you and she goes it's eunice (laughs) he goes how how yes you're howard (laughs) that was so brilliant yeah again like with the wordplay there's like there's highbrow there's lowbrow there's just like every kind of joke in there like there's a joke for everybody yeah so good. Um, the thing that I like, so like the suitcase thing was never interesting to me. Like I even remember being younger and fast forwarding through those parts where they're like hiding under the bed, trying to steal the suitcases. Yeah. But like as an adult sitting down and watching it as a full film and not just fast forwarding to the funny parts that I liked uh, originally, I can really appreciate the pacing of it as they're walking in and out of the doors and hiding with the suitcases. Like it really, it, it moves the film forward in a way where you don't get bogged down in kind of the justification or the reality of what's happening. Yeah. And I know that's slapstick, but I just think it's really cool to be able to appreciate that now. I mean, the whole movie is only a little over an hour and a half. Like the whole movie really cooks pacing wise. Yeah. It's really well edited. It's really well paced. Um, And I, I think that's a great choice which is even watching it a second time, I really don't understand what all the bags are and who all the people are. There's like one group that's like more mobsters, right? And then uh, Michael Murphy's probably a government agent of some kind, you know. And is it the guy with the golf clubs that stole the? I don't know. Thing? Like we don't even know. Like and so, I, well, there's another problem because they cast a bunch of white guys who look alike. <laughs> but that's a different issue. I, I didn't notice that. They seemed very distinct to me, but. Um, the you don't care like it doesn't matter right it doesn't matter like uh it's only the most cursory explanation all you need to know that it's a farce and we're going to mix up all these suitcases and what really matters is ryan o'neill and barbara streisand so all this stuff kind of sets up the confusion and the you know uh mistaken identity and people just coming in and out of doors and out of in and out of hotel rooms and all that stuff it like it sets up some good physical bits like the uh the old woman who's tackling the mobster oh, and, coming and, up next. and getting tripped and everything, yeah. you know. So the old, the older woman who has the jewels, um, they're trying to distract her from going upstairs because they're trying to steal her jewels. Yeah. And as she's walking down the hallway, one of the guys keeps 
tackling her and tripping her. <laughs> and it is so crazy and weird. Yes. And she doesn't say anything. It's really And it weird. doesn't feel, it, again, it doesn't feel like something bad's going to happen to her. It yeah. just feels like a funny bit where he's just tripping her to prevent her from getting to the room. And I think that's, uh, you know, similar to like that scene in Love and Death where uh, Diane Keaton and Woody Allen trying to bonk the guy with the bottle the yes. whole time. And then he mm-hmm. keeps bonking her with the bottle. It's almost like uh, an homage to like silent, silent comedy, yes. I think, mm-hmm. you know, because people would always get tripped in old it's silent so comedies funny and stuff like to that. just see this lady. And it's in the background, too. I don't even think it's ever the camera's ever focused on them. Exactly. Yeah. It's the other guy trying to get out of the room in time and her, her being tripped by the second guy. It's really funny. And Craig said, doesn't she say, help, someone is attacking me at some point? <laughs> <laughs> but no. Nope. Um, so Randy Quaid shows up. He's another one of the peers of the scientists or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Howard wants to talk to Judy because she's pretending to be Eunice. And she's like, okay. And she picks up her napkin and she drops it and she goes, oh my goodness, I dropped my napkin. Like that. That's how she said it. <laughs> Which is the weirdest line reading ever. Yeah. It's so funny. Oh my goodness, I dropped my napkin. <laughs> Couldn't stop saying it. And then they get under the table. Uh, I just am saying that so that I could say that line on the podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that. That was wonderful. Uh, well, the bit, the bit that's brilliant about that is... It's like such an old school, you know, hacky comedy bit for people of like <laughs> to whisper under the table. But then obviously the other people they're dining with see that they're doing that. And then eventually all the other diners join them under the table yeah. for the conversation. You right. know, it's so funny. It's it's just good heightening yes. throughout. It's like heightening 101. Yeah. Totally. Uh, it, it buys into all of its own premises and uh, runs it you know, to wherever they might, it gets to some crazy places, mm-hmm. but it feels earned because you understand the, how they heightened and built it to get you to a crazy place. Totally. Um, then later on, so he gets mad at her and he's like, leave me alone. I don't want to see you again. Oh, Eunice comes in. Yes. <laughs> the real Eunice comes in and she's like, Howard, uh, <laughs> That's how she sounds, right? Yeah. Uh, and Howard says that he doesn't know her because it's going so well with Barbara pretending to be Eunice. Uh-huh. And so they drag Eunice out and her Madeline Kahn's heels skid against the ground and like have this swirling effect as she's being dragged out. Yeah, which that's is right. so great. Yeah. Uh, but then anyways, um, Howard goes back to his room later. He's like to Barbara, he's like, leave me alone. I don't want to see you ever again. You ruined this for me. Uh, he gets into his room and of course she's waiting for him in the tub. <laughs> yep. Full on naked in the tub. Um he, at this I think this is when his shirt was off, right? Cuz yes. he had been undressing to go to bed. And this is when crazy stuff happens. Uh Eunice comes into the room, Barbara's hanging from the ledge. Uh how does the fire start? A fire starts in their room. Is maybe a spark from the TV or something? I don't remember. Yeah, like it's the just TV like, gets yanked out. It's totally absurd like all of this crazy stuff. People are stealing the bags and there's just a bunch of whatever. Uh, the room's on fire. Uh, Barbara comes in. Eunice sees her in the towel. And that's the end of that scene. And yeah. then it... Okay. So this is such a fascinating... Because it feels like 
what else could they do after this scene? <laughs> you know? Right. Because is that the midway point of the movie? It is. Too. Which, yeah. if you read Save the Cat, if there are any writers out there, he talks about this movie in that book. He talks about listening to it on a cassette tape. I guess this guy, whatever his name was, who wrote Save the Cat, would tape movies on his cassette and listen to them mm-hmm. on his drive in L.A. And he said that at this point, the tape would stop and he'd have to flip the tape over. And so he knew, and this, I guess, was before they had started talking about the midpoint of the screenplay or whatever. This is what he calls his midpoint is uh, halfway through the film when something happens and it's like either it's going to get much worse in this direction or it's going to start getting better, uh, which I think is so interesting. Yeah. Well, on stage it would be an act break, right? That would be your first act closer. And And I guess that's, I guess that's my point is it feels because of the fade out on this scene, it feels like something just ended and now something new is going to begin. Yeah. Uh, And it does. And so then after this is the strange scene where Ryan O'Neill's hanging out like in a room that's being worked on, like upstairs, right? Yeah. Well, then the the hotel manager kicks him out, right? Right. Uh, so he, because of all the damage that he caused, yeah. And then they're like at like an observation deck, like yeah, it's like a renovated floor or something. It's like going through construction. And there's a piano there. And there's a piano, and he starts playing the piano, and Barbara Streisand shows up, and her hair is down, and she looks totally different than she's looked so far. And they have this really cute moment where they sing. You must remember this. Yeah. To each other. And then they as kiss. As time goes by. Oh, I'm sorry. As time goes by. Mm-hmm. Is that the name of the song? As time goes by. And, but it is You Must Remember you This. You Must Remember This. Oh, yeah. And I'm thinking of the podcast. Okay, great. So there's a lot of thoughts. Uh, anyways, and then they kiss. And it's just, just, but it's a strange moment in the film, but it feels like a nice payoff to kind of the chaos that we just saw, I yeah. think. What do you think? Yeah, I buy that. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is the first time Craig LOL'd is when they fall backwards <laughs> as they're playing the song, singing the song. I didn't LOL before that. You might have, but this was like a big LOL. You thought it was really funny when they fell. And I never hear you laugh at physical comedy bits. I'm a, I'm a snob. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a snob with comedy in general, but especially like slapsticky stuff, like really doesn't get me you yeah know? i was shocked that you laughed at that part when they fell backwards but you did yeah um you also laughed out loud when he goes to apologize to eunice and she opens the door and her wig is askew askew <laughs> <laughs> you thought that was very funny <clears throat> um i mean matt i'm as good as barbara streisand is like madeline Kahn is just yeah amazing in this she's amazing as well. for yeah. sure um okay so, okay, so then after this, I'm not going to go through the whole story. You guys can watch it. But the woman with the jewels realizes her ca- case is missing. Uh, Barbara calls Eunice to, to distract her from going to the dinner, right? So she sends her to a different place. Yeah. Which this part didn't make sense to me. She gave her a random address, right? She doesn't know what's going to be there. Right. So yeah. Barbara Streisand just gives her this random address, gives Eunice a random address to go to. So to get that, rid of her. To get rid of her. Then you cut to Madeline Kahn showing up to this random address, and it's the mobsters. Beating up a guy. Beating up a guy with one of the suitcases. (laughs) So then they kidnap Madeline Kahn because they have – she's like, those those are Howard's 
rocks because they have the rocks instead of the files or the jewels or whatever they're supposed to have. I'm assuming the jewels. Uh, They kidnap her. They show up at the party. Barbara's at the party now um, pretending to be Eunice again, right? With Howard. Everybody, Everybody who has a case is now at the party. And... It's a hilarious showdown of like the mobsters shooting, trying to get the cases, the government people shooting, trying to get the cases. Uh, the waiter walks in as all hell is breaking loose, right? So people are shooting at each other. People are screaming. And he turns right back around and runs his tray of glasses into the wall and Craig LOL'd. <laughs> this became less Craig's quotes and more when Craig laughed out loud. You were so surprised that I LOL'd. I couldn't believe it. I've never, I don't know that I've heard you laugh out loud this much in a movie in a long time. Well, obviously we haven't talked about the Bugs Bunny connection with the oh, title, right, you know. So, and then when we first see her, she's eating a carrot. Yeah. Right? And she says, what's up, Doc? And she says, what's up, Doc? And they bring it back at the end and you even see, you know, the end of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah. So the whole movie is a Looney Tune, basically, totally. you know. And so it gives them permission to be larger than life and to be a little cartoonish. And like farce is fine as long as it keeps moving. You know, so you don't you don't stop to think about the logic of anything, you know, but as long as you just keep distracting the viewer. And again, like we don't really care who all these players really are as long as the story and the bits keep moving. Right. And this movie just doesn't let up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that the fight at the uh, at Austin Pendleton's house is like so well choreographed and everything and, and just like. All the players are there and all, you know, gunshots are going off. All the bags are being tossed back and forth. You know, waiters are crashing trays. But like when the gunshots are going off, like the bullets are hitting pieces of art that then fall. Yes. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's, it's so, really, really well, funny. There's a bit where Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand have to duck from a lamp that's like spinning around and we'll get to the car chase in a minute, but... I mean, there's moments where like people really could have gotten hurt if, right. <laughs> if they didn't execute this thing properly. I mean, there must have been so much rehearsal to, yeah, or so many takes at least to get the bit to look perfectly. But it's, I mean, it's brilliant physical comedy. I wonder also if there's some stuff that's meant to be an homage to the French filmmaker Jacques Tati. Okay, <laughs> because he had a character, Mister Hulot. Um, and he did a bunch of comedies that were during the sound era, but that were basic, basically silent comedies, uh, where he was just kind of like, it's similar to Mr. Magoo, where he is just like wondering and causing chaos. And there's always like oh, people crashing and dropping trays and stuff like that. So I think there's a little bit of Jacques Tati in this movie too. Um, during the, <clears throat> the chaos at Austin Pendleton's house, Craig said, uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Where did it go? Oh, sales of red plaid suitcases must have either soared or plummeted after this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So then... Because they say don't buy a bag that looks like everybody else's bag. Right. You want your bag to be unique. Um, So then Barbara and Ryan grab all the cases and run out the door. Mm -hmm. And we're... I don't know that we are even led to we, – we're not given a second to think why they would do that. <laughs> sure. Again, like keep yeah. it moving. Keep Just it moving. Just keep it moving. I mean, I'm assuming he wants his rocks back, of course. Yeah. But they also have millions of dollars of jewels and some files and some ladies' underwear now. Um, Barbara's underwear, I guess. So uh, she says 
this is a running bit throughout the movie, which I haven't talked about yet, but she goes, come on, Steve, I know you can do it. And he says, my name's Howard. So, <laughs> like three fourths away into the movie, she's still calling him the wrong name, which is really funny. Uh, they um, hijack a grocery cart. Yep. Which I've never seen before, but I guess was a thing in San Francisco at the time. Sure. So somebody delivering groceries in their cart and they grab it while that person's delivering groceries. And the thing that's so funny about this is that they can't really go very fast on a bicycle grocery cart and the people chasing them are all in cars. But because they're going down the hills of San Francisco, they pick up speed, which is really funny. Yeah. Uh, so the first big bit there's like constant stuff that they're running into though or crashes are happening around them but the first real thing is they have um they they go underneath this sign it's like san francisco keep san francisco clean week is the, is the sign and there's a guy on a giant ladder hanging the sign yeah and as a that's, banner a banner yeah. yes and as it's happening two other guys are walking across the crosswalk with a giant pane of glass <laughs> And so they're coming down the hill and they're like, oh, no. And then they go right underneath the ladder and they and it's fine. But then the joke becomes, here comes the two cars following them, you know, who go around the ladder, go through the ladder again. And then as they come up the other side, she can't she can't get up enough pedal speed to go up the hill. So they start to go backwards. <laughs> and that's just classic Looney Tunes, right? Of it's like you so go up the hill, you funny. lose momentum, you go back down the hill. So they're you know. going backwards down the hill and the cars are like going past them and the cars have to turn around to follow them back down the hill. And so when, you know, obviously the people who were with the glass and the guy in the ladder are like, whew, we were safe after that first round. They, they come back through again. And of course, uh, oh, the guy, they knock over the ladder. The guy, uh, swings across the street on the, on the banner and goes through the pane of glass himself. It's amazing. The stunt work on this and like the, I mean, obviously nothing is CGI'd, you know? Yeah. Uh, like the drivers were really good. You know, the whole stunt team did amazing work on this. And this is really in the streets of San Francisco. You yeah. Know? Like nothing is faked. I read this. online, I think on IMDb that. They had gotten permission to shoot in San Francisco, but they didn't get permission to go down the steps. Uh-huh. I guess there are some famous steps that they ride the cars down yeah. and that they damage them and that the damage is still there today. Wow. And now San Francisco, whenever they give a permit, they you have to tell them exactly what you're going to be doing <laughs> so that that doesn't happen again. Worth it. The damage to those steps was worth it. Totally. Okay. So then they go through a Chinese New Year parade and, yep. and they the dragon... Uh, there's a guy laying cement too. There's a guy laying cement. They go through his cement. Um, Every old school bit you can think of. Oh, you said it, it's got to be close to House of Nanking during the <laughs> Chinese parade bit. The, whenever we go to San Francisco, we always eat at House of Nanking. Which is something you started with thrilling. Adventure with thrilling adventure, people. yeah. But Amazing food. Yeah, it is really good. Um, there's garbage cans coming down the hills and car crashes and man. Man, man, men running and being chased accidentally by the garbage cans. There's a guy and he jumps over a fence to get away from the garbage cans and he lands on a table in a restaurant. Uh, Craig Clapton said, man, kudos to the stunt team. <laughs> um, then they drive into a they're costume all de- they're shop. They're all dead now. But <laughs> they're all dead now. They drive into a costume shop. Then they come out with costumes on, which are just like, why are you wearing costumes all of a sudden? Yeah. They run past a church. Uh, a couple just got married. They steal the mar- the just got married car, just married car. Um, then the cement truck. There's just, I mean, it's like a 10 minute 
car chase scene that's hilarious and also action packed. Right? Yeah. Uh okay. <laughs> this was my favorite bit of this part. Um so he, they're they're now in a Volkswagen, which I forget how they got that. Oh, it's the just married car. Yeah. And they're driving down the pier. And he has glasses on the whole time. And he's like, I can't see something about like his glasses are fogged up or something. Yes. So she takes them and to clean them. And she, then she puts them on. He's like, Judy, I can't see. She gives them back. And then he says, oh, God, I can see. And he throws <laughs> the glasses out the window. Like he gives into the fate that they're going to crash. Yeah. And they drive off the pier. The other cars come behind them and drive off the pier. Everybody's on the pier. Cops are on the pier. There's two cops just standing on the edge of the pier who then just fall into the water for no apparent reason. Uh, and that's how that ends. That throwing the glasses out feels like a very Cary Grant moment to oh, me. Oh, so reason. funny. Um, yeah. Okay. I don't think we need to give them the, sp- the ending, the spoiler. Okay. We? we won't spoil the ending. I feel like I've talked about enough scenes. <laughs> we spoiled everything else. Uh, but I mean, just us describing it can't do justice to how well choreographed and funny all the the physical comedy and chases are in the yeah. scene. And again, I'm like I'm not easily impressed with that stuff. And this is I'm seeing this movie for the first time 45 years after it was made. Wow. You know. So, uh this is 2017 and you know, there's some comedies that I grew up watching or you know, I saw when they came out and part of your attachment to them is is nostalgia. Mm-hmm. You know. But to know that you can watch a 1972 comedy, which is harkening back to a 1935 comedy. Right. And then in 2017, that it still holds up. That's pretty good. You know? Yeah. So, like, if you haven't seen this movie and you like to laugh, <laughs> What's Up, Doc? I think will make you laugh. What's up, Doc? Um, great. Good job. So, do you want to give it a letter score? It's an A. An A. I'll give it an A+. plus. <laughs> I loved it. And Oh yeah, what's the A stand for? <laughs> uh awesome comedy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Um yeah, I think I'm putting it in my top two hundred. You are? Well, you know, Carla, that nothing can make Craig's list my top one hundred until I've seen it at least three times. Okay. This was the second time seeing What's Up Doc, so that's a good sign that the second time around uh, I can say it's one of my 200 favorite movies. So okay. it's going on the additional favorites list, which is 100 alphabetically ranked movies. <laughs> so they're not ranked from 101 to 200. They're just in alphabetical order. So I'll bump something off. What are you going to bump? I don't know. I haven't looked at the list in a while. Um, because that's also the new candidates for Craig's list because of the movies that are leaving, mm-hmm. you know, from this podcast. Uh, will come off, and so I, those candidates are probably all on that list somewhere. So that's a good sign for this movie. Awesome. Yay, I'm so happy you liked it. <clears throat> I hope that everybody who's listening got a chance to see it or will go see it. Uh, this is I give you kudos. Hosting this thing is much more complicated <laughs> than I expected. Uh, you do a good job of of it. <laughs> and you do a good job chiming in with uh, with bits. Thanks. Thank you. Um, what else? Is that it? Don't Did we, we do have a- to improvise a oh, scene? Oh, of course. 
<laughs> I didn't even think of this. I don't know. What do you want to do? <laughs> Shoot. It's too much organization. Well, you're going to um, play Judy, right? Or do you want to play Eunice? I could play Judy. Okay. Do you want to play Eunice? Or do you want to play Howard? No, I'll play Howard. Uh, which part should we do? Um, uh, maybe this is the part after they... Because for some reason, after they go into the water... In their car, their car's floating when nobody else's is. <laughs> so maybe this is the conversation they have just after okay. they've gone into the water. Okay. Judy, we're in the water. We're we're in the water and I can't see. Relax, Steve. It's gonna be fine. My name is Howard. Okay. Don't worry, we're we're gonna float here for a bit. Why why are we floating? Well, the temperature of the water is seventy two degrees, and the temperature of the engine is probably around one hundred and three right now. So, uh, based on the dynamic of the hot versus the cold, there's some friction happening there, and we're just gonna float. Okay, that totally holds up. I am a scientist, and that makes perfect sense. So, in the meantime, what do you want to do? Eh? I better see if my rocks are okay. Are you talking about your balls? My what? Get your head out of the gutter, woman. And by balls, I mean brains. Oh, yes. I'm talking about my brains. And also my testicles were damaged in that car crash. Aw, oh, poor Steve. Uh, can you rub them for good luck? <laughs> wow, this cold water's really uh My rocks, I mean. Oh, of course. Not my testicles. Oh, look. Look at this. There's your rocks. There's some jewels. There's my underwear. And some top secret files. What? Well, it does say top secret right on top, like any good government file should. Let's uh, let's look into these files. What? What is this? Whoa! In a collusion with Russia? <laughs> Donald Trump? Who is that? Who is Donald Trump? Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> Shark! Shark! Hi there, buddy. <laughs> You're the top. You're a great white shark. See, <laughs> You're a great white shark. <laughs> they sing You're the Top at the end. It's so cute. They do. Over the credits? Yeah. Yes. God it's... darn it. We have to stop finding ways to bring Donald Trump into our improv scenes. Yeah, that, <laughs> that turned you off right away. <laughs> Oh, Craig, thank you for watching this movie again. My pleasure. It was, uh, it was fun to do a movie on Carla's list. Aww. What's next on Carla's list? Who knows? <laughs> we'll figure it out. Okay. Well, thanks, Craig's listeners, for, uh, for tuning in. Uh, and thanks for the demand. Due to popular demand, we, uh, we asked you uh, if you wanted to hear uh, an episode on What's Up, Doc, and you chimed in, and we did it. We did it. So maybe we'll periodically do more special episodes like this. Maybe. Uh, but next week we'll resume with another movie on Craigslist. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>